This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Thursday the 4th of May. In your squiz today, thumbs up for fracking in the top end, more Aussies are evacuated from Sudan, Ukraine denies an assassination attempt, and getting swept up in the coronation. This is your squiz today. It was a pretty monumental day for the NT yesterday, Claire. The Territory Government gave the all clear for major onshore gas projects in the Beetaloo Basin to kick off. Experts say the region has the potential to become one of the biggest gas producing areas in the world. It's been years in the making and reports say that it clears the way for potentially thousands of wells across the region, which is about 500 kilometres southeast of Darwin. Experts have long thought that the Beetaloo Basin is rich in gas and they began exploration there back in 1984, but it wasn't until 2015 when Origin Energy drilled a couple of wells that things got serious. Uh, Origin was happy with what they found and it prompted the Northern Territory government to commission an independent inquiry that was led by Justice Rachel Pepper. It's worth knowing this because it comes up quite a Mm. bit in this whole debate. Uh, The results of that inquiry were made public in 2018 and it found that there are risks involved with an onshore gas industry. Just keep in mind that most of these big gas projects are offshore, off into the ocean. So having it onshore is quite a different proposition. Uh, But the inquiry found that there were 135 recommendations and if they were implemented, Pepper said that the risks could be mitigated or reduced or in some cases eliminated altogether. And it's well worth mentioning that the way the gas will be extracted is by a process called fracking and there's opposition to that from the environmentalists and Indigenous traditional landowners. They're concerned about the effect on the region's water table because fracking involves injecting high-pressure fluid into bedrock to extract the gas and Yesterday's announcement is also against the wishes of 96 scientists who published an open letter that urges lawmakers to ban fracking due to climate concerns. Yeah, so environmentalists say that allowing the extraction of gas in that region could lead to 98 million tonnes of emissions being released annually. That's four times the Territory's current emissions. And Chief Minister there, Natasha Files, didn't explain yesterday how those extra emissions would be offset. Of course, remember, we've got this goal now of getting to net zero emissions by 2050. Um, She says that greenlighting the Beetaloo projects will help transition the Northern Territory and Australia to net zero emissions. And that's an argument about natural gas having fewer emissions than burning coal or petroleum products. Uh, What Files said yesterday is that a gas industry would also create thousands of local jobs and would help the Territory government fund things like schools and hospitals and also more development in remote regions. But advocates are referring back to the United Nations climate science that says that any new gas or coal projects would blow our chances of limiting warming to 1.5 degrees. 
The announcement yesterday means that oil and gas production companies will start submitting the first bits of application paperwork next year. And according to the official plan, it will be about eight years before the gas and oil starts to flow. There were fears for two South Australian police officers yesterday after they were stabbed during what the state's police commissioner, Grant Stevens, described as a high-risk incident. One of them, Brevet Sergeant Ian Todd, was left with life-threatening injuries, Claire. Yeah, authorities say that the two officers were called to a house in Crystal Brook, which is about 200 kilometres north of Adelaide. That was late yesterday morning. They were there on another matter when the resident of the home stabbed them. The attacker was shot dead at the scene uh, and that officer you mentioned was airlifted to the Royal Adelaide Hospital with stab wounds to his neck and arm and hands. The other officer, Brevet Sergeant Jordan Allerley, is in a serious but stable condition after receiving wounds to his leg and arm. The state's police association president, Mark Carroll, said that the incident was a horrifying reminder of the levels of extreme violence frontline police officers face in the line of duty. Claire, with the conflict in Sudan continuing, the Aussie Air Force has been forced to help out. It's evacuated 36 Aussies and their families from Sudan, taking them and nationals from six other countries to Cyprus. Yeah, there's quite a bit of international cooperation happening at the moment Mm. to evacuate foreigners out of Sudan. Uh, Around 190 Aussies have been evacuated so far. Most of that has come from help from the United Kingdom, Canada, France, Uh, Egypt, plenty of other countries have chipped in and the coordination's necessary because this conflict is pretty quickly turning into a humanitarian crisis. The United Nations says that about 100,000 refugees have crossed the border out of Sudan in just the last two and a half weeks. And those evacuations are happening as Sudan's army and the paramilitary rapid support forces, which are the two rival groups who are fighting, have agreed to extend a ceasefire for seven extra days. Reports have labelled that a theoretical truce, though, because shooting and airstrikes are still happening in the capital city, Khartoum. Russian officials have accused Ukraine of attempting to assassinate President Vladimir Putin overnight, Claire. They say two unmanned aerial vehicles were aimed at the Kremlin, which is another way of saying drones. The Kremlin, of course, is where Putin's official residence is. And Russia's state media has shared videos of the alleged attack, but Putin wasn't there at the time and there's no casualties reported from the incident. Mm. Russian officials say that they reserve the right to take retaliatory measures, but Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, who's in Finland, uh, says that Ukraine wasn't involved. He says that we don't attack Putin or Moscow, we fight on our territory. And United States officials say that it's too early to say whether the incident uh, at the Kremlin was a false flag attack to justify uh, stepping up efforts in Ukraine. Yeah, that's right. The White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, also said that since the start of the conflict, the US has not encouraged or enabled Ukraine to strike beyond its borders. The countdown's on for King Charles' big day and PM Anthony Albanese's flown to London to meet with the monarch ahead of Saturday's coronation. 
And Claire, he took the chance to invite Charles and Camilla to Oz for a royal visit. Yeah, so who knows? We might see (laughs) them soon. Um, Albanese has also said that he's going to swear allegiance to Charles during the coronation. We talked about this earlier this week. It's something that everyone in the Commonwealth has been asked to do. Mm. Uh, I don't know what you're doing, Alice. I'm certainly (laughs) not practising the words yet, but we've got time, I guess, before Saturday. Uh, Albanese's is pretty notable because he's a staunch Republican like they are on the Labor side. It's Labor policy for that. Um, He told an interviewer in London that he respects the institution, so that's why he's going to do it. Um, Another surprise to fans anyway is Nick Cave. (laughs) He's heading along to the coronation. Uh, He says that he will certainly take that oath Mm. uh, and that's because he says that he has this sort of emotional attachment to the royals. He says that they're quite strange. He quite appreciates (laughs) their deeply eccentric nature uh, and he says that the royals really reflect the unique weirdness of Britain itself. And speaking of unique Britishness, squizzers who like to cook might be happy to know that along with the official coronation quiche, there's also an official coronation dessert. It's a strawberry trifle, which is pretty summery, but I never turn down a good dessert and this one sounds lovely. And trifles especially delicious. (laughs) And just on that, Claire, our latest Squiz Shortcut episode is also out today. Yeah, and it's on the coronation. So Kate and I had a lot of fun with this one. (laughs) There's a lot of ritual and meaning. Uh, It's really loaded. Mm. So it's good to know a little bit about what the service is all about and how it works and also these little tidbits about what's going to go down for Charles on the day. Very good. Thank you for listening today. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.